How have you been? <laughs> I've been good. I've been good, Nick. It's uh, um, funny enough because uh, we talked a little bit about like reviewing shit. And the one bad thing about having to review stuff for other people is sometimes you have this internal thing that's like, oh, I want to watch Big Trouble in Little China for no reason. But here I got a stack of five things that I have to review. Oh. And then it's like, it's first world problems because it's not like, <laughs> right, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, I, I have to review this stuff. <laughs> it just makes it, because like, from Mill Creek and Air, and the other guy, I get to kind of request. It's like, oh, I've got a big docket right now. None of these interest me. I'll just skip this. You know, Vinegar Syndrome is like wild, wild west. It's like, I'll maybe get one movie or I'll get seven. I have no <laughs> way of knowing. So it's like I always have this internal fear that oh man if I don't if I don't record stuff I'm gonna lose the opportunity to do this and yada yada yada. So what I've started doing because like I'll also tell myself it's like oh maybe Amanda will want to watch this and trying to get a time where me and Amanda can both sit down and watch a movie is tough. Yeah. So what I've decided, what I started doing the other day is in the morning before work she starts work at seven a.m. I don't start work until ten. That gives me a couple hours. Did nothing to do and I would throw like Twilight Zone or stuff I've seen before on in the background. I was like, how about I just put on something that they sent me even for just a half hour and just break yeah. like watch it like I would a TV show. I hate breaking stuff up, but it's a good way to knock through stuff faster. Yeah, especially when it, you're not particularly inspired to yeah. put it in in the first yeah, place. Yeah, well now and then instead, like when I have time with Amanda, instead of being like, let's watch Bloodsuckers from Outer Space, it's like, oh, we can watch something we want to watch, and I'm kind of knocking through this other stuff in a quicker pace. So that's what I've been doing recently. So it's, cool. it took me it took me three years to figure out a system to watch this stuff, as opposed to like I need to dedicate two hours of my day to watching this, and it's just too difficult. <laughs> but if like oh, a half hour here, a half hour there. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, one thing I uh, before we actually get to the movie, because you know, um, since you're talking about '70s and '80s horror films, uh, I got to show Amanda The Shining for the first time. Ooh, and she nice. really like. And I got burnt out on The Shining for a little bit, where um, there was a period of time where I, I was seeing the movie a lot because of uh, um. Like when I was in film school, I it's it's also let me go back a little bit. It's a movie that every Halloween people show for one reason or another, and for me, I'm I'm very because I watch horror films all year round. I kind of try yeah. to plan it by vibe, and for me, The Shining does not feel like a fall horror movie. No, no, winter. Winter would make more sense. Yeah. Um, but like when I was in film school, there was one year where I saw it four times in an October season. And I was nice. like, I'm good on this movie for a very <laughs> long time. Um, Scratched your shining itch. But, and then it's, it's coming back a couple of times that I was like, oh, it's been a while since I've seen that. Let's give it another, you know, let's give it another. And it's never that I disliked it. I just saw it way too many times. But with yeah. Dr. Sleep coming out. Um, oh, yeah. And Amanda had read that book. Not having read The Shining or not having read or seen <laughs> The Shining, but she still enjoyed the book. Um, and then I noticed that... Um, uh, Mike Flanagan, who directed the film, is using a lot of imagery from Kubrick's film, which makes okay. sense, even though uh, Stephen King doesn't like that movie. It's the most commonly well-known version of The Shining. It would be dumb to ignore that. Right. Um, right. So it makes sense. That, so I was like, well, I want her. I want to go see Dr. Sleep. I don't think she'd be terribly confused, but it can't hurt to, to re-watch The Shining. And the totally. thing that I love, and it will tie back into this episode later on, is that Jack Torrance is 
fucking insane from the first frame. Right, right. <laughs> it it's not that the the hotel creates something within him; it finds it and like yeah. draws it out. Yeah. Real quick, since you've been watching older horror films, uh, one we that, also watched The Omen. This I have never seen The Omen. <gasps> yeah, we can do an episode on it. I have the the box set. We with, could. Uh, we we could just keep movies. pushing Taxi Driver back until after. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or just do Taxi Driver and then throw in The Omen. Um, oh, we gotta do The Omen. We we uh, we did. I, he wants me to kill a child. <laughs> I've never seen it. Well, I got a recommendation for you. And if you don't have a way to watch it, I can lend you my account, my 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 Shutter login. Uh, okay. The Changeling with George. Oh yeah, George I have C. not Scott. seen that. It is fantastic. It is my favorite haunted house film ever. Mm. Ever. I have seen like I think I caught like fifteen minutes of it on a TV airing one time. Like yeah, it's that, not that movie makes a bouncing ball the scariest thing you've ever seen. That that's the scene that I yeah, saw. Yeah, and it's so <laughs> bright. And then when you see, when you see the lead up to leading up to it, oh, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. The nice. '80s usually affectionately get the credit for being like the best time for horror and things like The Shining and technically even. Um, um, uh, the Shining, like, was technically the 80s. They were kind of spillover. Like, Poltergeist yeah. itself was 1982, but yeah. the early 80s is kind no, of still spillover from the 70s. I, the 70s, I like 70s. I, is, is still, for me, my favorite time period in, yeah. in horror films. And spillover into early 80s, but yeah. that's still, like, the 70s feel... Um, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, and like she, last night we just watched Poltergeist, and I uh, I'd seen it one time before. Uh, I only saw it because Amanda said she loved it so much, and it was not that I was necessarily like, oh, I don't want to watch Poltergeist. It just hadn't come up, and that movie is flawless. Is <laughs> um, it uh, Craig T. Nelson? Yes. I, I joked with her, about, and I was like, man, do we have to do an episode on Poltergeist? Well, we don't talk about the movie. We just talk about the weirdness in Poltergeist. Like, just the weird little things, like Craig T. Nelson's performance, and, like, weird things that we noticed in the background. The fact that one of the final shots of the movie has him tripping over a bicycle for no reason, and just goofy little stuff. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I forgot about the note you Oh, it's all right. I can cut it out. I can... <laughs> Um, but, uh, I guess we should get to the actual episode. This yeah. preamble's gone yeah. on for almost a half hour. <laughs> Though a little bit of it's getting cut out. <laughs> um, all right. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode. Ooh, I, I really got my mics all not happy at me. Let me do that one more time. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is a man whose secular education gives him right to question the church. Nick Richards! You can question any church you want because of your secular education. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, for those of you who had not heard, because I think it's funnier this way that I cut out the conversation about it, <laughs> we have just rewrote that. Uh, normally, I leave it up to myself to find a quote or a moment from the movie to uh, uh, 
to to make into that. But Nick's like, I've got one for you, and he, he's only done it a handful of times. I could probably count on one hand how many times. Uh, he's like, I'm I'm requesting a rewrite before he's even got a chance to read what I wrote. He's like, I don't care what I, you wrote. Here's my rewrite. I did. I, I was a little more polite. I was like, Do you have something great? Do you have something? And you're you're like, eh, it's, it's all right. It's not even. I'm like, Yeah, okay. Then I got no. You should all realize. He should be like, Do you have something great? I was like, Yeah, I do. It's like too bad you're using this. <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. I am way too nice <laughs> to, to just trample over your. Right. You're way too nice, probably even for the area that you live in currently. By, by Midwest, yeah. 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 All right. I'm so polite. <laughs> But uh, I guess uh, before before we get to the topic again, uh, I do would like to give a little shout out. Um, uh, I'd like to take a moment to discuss the passing of a horror icon. I know you don't have a whole lot to say about this, Nick, but I feel like I'd be remiss if a movie podcast did not at least mention it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one and only Sydney Eddie Moisian. I don't know if I pronounced his last name correct. Sydney Eddie Moisian, a.k.a. Sid Hag. He passed away September 21st, 2019, from complications from an infection in his lungs. He passed away after my birthday, which is a little sad that I'm always going to have that book ended with my birthday weekend. Uh, but we'd like to remember this, the way Sid lived his life. He was a prolific actor and had been, according to IMDb, in 149 roles. Ooh. And was well-loved at horror conventions. We don't have time to go over... Pardon me. We don't have time to go over all of his roles. But here's some of his noteworthy entries. He was in the 60s Batman TV show. He was in two episodes. He played uh, like a court bazier. Um, who was the who was the uh, the um, the villain in the original Batman who was like Egyptian themed? Ooh, that's but, out of my wheelhouse. Uh, but anyways, he played a royal apothecary. Uh, he was in a lot of TV shows. Like he was in everything from The Man from Uncle. He was in The Flying Nun. He was in uh, like Fantasy Island. He had Charlie's Angels. He had done all of them at one point. Uh, he was in uh, his first big breakout role was along with Lon Chaney Jr. and Spider Baby. He was in uh, George Lucas's THX 1138, uh, a movie from our friends at Vinegar Syndrome, Wonder Women. <laughs> Uh, a movie he was in coffee with pam greer as well as foxy brown uh he was in a movie that has the best title ever black mama white mama (laughs) bone tomahawk and most notably he was in rob zombie's trilogy of house of 1000 corpses the devil's rejects and three from hell which i'm gonna go on a whim and say is how most people are most people know him from familiar yeah um you know he had done a lot before that obviously but it's what gave him a resurgence in his career because by the time that happened he wasn't acting um <laughs> he he was doing uh, some other things in his life he had actually a career outside of acting that i'm trying to remember what it was he uh uh oh, i can't remember what he did it was something along the line he did some sort of psychology or something like that where he uh it was completely out of acting altogether and he had his own like firm setup and i just remember on a podcast i was listening to um they had, they had found his side business and they're like when we first moved out to california we we found his side business and we gave him a call and like he was using his real name under that business okay and you know so like when he answered the phone he was pleasant and everything they're like can we speak to sid Hag? long pause because he didn't he wasn't using that name on there and he just goes right who the fuck is this and they hung up <laughs> 
I don't remember which episode. It was probably on. Uh, I think that was the story from the podcast, The Movie Crypt, on their episode, Hag episode, where he's actually on the episode listening to them tell him that story. Nice. So that's worth checking out. But uh, I wanted to at least mention him because, um, like I said, he's prolific. He's one of those. He's got one of those faces that most people recognize, even if they don't know yeah. where. I. I have not seen any of the the Rob Zombie trilogy and don't recall him from any of those. I may have seen him at times, but I'm still completely familiar with his him, his face, and his uh, contribution. Yeah, to, and to the Rob e- Zombie trilogy, even just at conventions, he was a really amazing person. Like when I I'm, when my, he was at my first convention, he was one of the first people I I got a chance to meet, and I like he set the bar pretty high because it's like an autograph with him like an autograph and a picture was like 20 bucks which is like painfully cheap even then um and then if you brought your own item it was only 10 bucks nice and it, it was around the time and then like a year or two after that the walking dead blew up and everyone's like charging like 80 dollars an autograph 20 dollars just for a <laughs> selfie sh- like this and sid Haig went on facebook and said i will never charge you more than twenty dollars for an autograph and ten dollars if you bring your own item it's been the way that since i started doing these and it's gonna be the way i keep doing it because i don't go to these things for monetary gain okay like you have nice. to make something if you're gonna be there but you know he's not there cover to, your travel he's yeah. not there to gouge the fans so i always yeah. really appreciated that and i told this story on twitter and facebook that I got a picture. You can find it on my Facebook of a b- very baby. You are adorable. I was 20 years old. I had red hair. Perfect complexion, though. I've never really had an issue <laughs> with acne. Uh, and I got to meet Sid Hag. And like, we both had the goofiest face on. Um, and I to my and my next convention, when he was at, I brought that same picture. And I was like, I just thought it'd be funny if I held up the same. We just kept doing the same pose every single time. And I did it once other time, but I can't find the picture uh, and i was gonna have him sign it each time <laughs> just have a wall of pictures of me and sid hag signed and i p- presented that idea to him at the second convention he just looks at me and goes you're a weird kid <laughs> <laughs> but i like it and uh so I, I always really i only got a chance to meet him like two or three times but he was a great guy and he'll be missed awesome but, uh, i guess let's finally get onto the top that yeah. Talk. yeah. All right. Well, this was a great episode. Yeah, Thanks for yeah. listening. Made sure you follow us. <laughs> well, we aren't doing a Sid Hag episode, unfortunately, because we'd have a lot of stuff for Nick to watch. He doesn't have that kind of time. Uh, we'll be discussing a horror classic in the Amityville Horror. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry, when there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house.
I'm coming apart! Oh, mother of God, I'm coming apart! Twenty-eight days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house, they were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. George and Kathy Lutz are newly married and looking to take their relationship to a new level by buying a house. Kathy, who has ch three children from a previous marriage, wants her kids to love George so they can live a perfect life as a typical nuclear family. However, the house they're buying is coming to them for a truly good price. Almost too good a price. George and Kathy find that the house was the scene of a horrific murder only a couple years before where a young kid, Ronnie DeFeo, killed his entire family with a shotgun. Uh, Kathy and George feel they can live with this knowledge and choose to have a family friend, Father Delaney, come by to bless the house. However, things don't go too well for Delaney as he feels an evil in the house and begins to feel violently ill while the room fills with flies. To top it off, in a, in a uh, bellowing voice, the house informs him to get out. This is only the beginning of all the trouble the Lutz family goes through. Directed by Stuart Rosenberg and written by Sandor Stern, the Amityville Horror was adapted from the best-selling book written by Jay Anson, which depicts the supposedly true events of the real hauntings at Amityville. There was a big hearsay about whether or not the Lutz family were being truthful, but producer Samuel Z. Arkoff knew this was a big opportunity. Produced by American International Pictures, the film was considered to be one of the most profitable independent films of all time and would go, down, would go on to gain praise from both horror and non-horror fans for its amazing score by Lalo Schifrin, uh, grounded, believable performances, and a sense of dread that fills every scene. The film stars James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, Murray Hamilton, and Don Stroud as Father Ryan. That was one trailer, of my better trailer, ones. Trailer, trailer. It was you flawless. That was one of my like, better ones. Like your twenty-year-old complexion. Yeah. Your intro was flawless. Flawless. Uh, <laughs> was this on either of our shame lists? Did we just break the show? You said that you hadn't seen it in a really long time, so it was not on my shame list. Pre-high school, um, for sure. It was the last time I saw it. And I was like 10 minutes into it when I'm like, hey, have you seen the Amityville Horror? I'd love to talk about it. Granted, and you're like, yeah, no, I've been... It's our it's our podcast. We're making the rules as we go along. That's right. But, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, this is one of the first times that I feel like it's been a truly situation that we both have seen the film. Yeah. Um, but... We, so we, we play fast and loose with our rules. Yeah, we, we both have an interesting history with this film. We had both seen it before. Um, I guess since I, it's been the longest for me, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I will talk about my feelings on the film. First time I saw the film, was it was a movie that my mom wanted to watch. And I feel like I probably saw it around the time that the remake came out. And I remember she had told me a story. And if I get a chance to, I'm going to go to her house and have her tell this story. Nice. She had saw it in, at a local drive-in, I believe, when it came out. And it scared the shit out of her and her sister. Or maybe it was her and her best friend, and they had to walk home. And, there was a, and they always cut down the alley to go home. And there's a house in the alley that had those exact same windows. And they were too afraid to walk down the alley alone. And her telling me this story, I'm like, oh my god, this movie must have been frightening. 
<laughs> and I saw it, and you know, I was like probably like anywhere from thirteen to fifteen years old when I saw this movie, maybe even younger. And I was like, this movie's kind of boring. <laughs> and it just it, it wasn't the type of horror movie I was I was looking for at the time. And at the time, we'll, we'll circle back on this a little more. I liked the remake better because it was you know more things happening and it was sped up, and um, I was kind of dumb at the time. <laughs> <laughs> looking back i think this movie is fantastic and it's been a situation of every time i've gotten to see it i think it's getting better and better and uh yeah i also love how much that james brolin looks like both josh brolin and christian bale yeah <laughs> so that's that's my slightly i don't want to say complicated history with the film but I, I wasn't ready for 70s hair yeah i wasn't ready for how slow the film was yeah. But now I really appreciate, since I like slow burn horror films far more than I used to, I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I also probably saw this the first time around the same time that the remake came out. And that's, uh, I was particularly interested in it because the remake was filmed around where I went to high school. Houses here are way out of our price range. When the business is good, we are going to have the greatest house. It's beautiful. This is an amazing house. You are going to love it. Holy. This is the deal of a lifetime. So, what's the catch? There was a crime, a, a murder. In the house? And several people, a family. Houses don't kill people. <laughs> to a perfect house and to a perfect family. Who are you talking to? The girl who lives in my closet. And what's her name? Jody. What's the matter? Just seeing things, I guess. There was a family lived here some time ago. They had a similar problem. I'm living in their house. We need to get out of here. Just back up and go. Everything we have is in this house. It's okay, mommy. Jody won't hurt you. But the man who lives here, he says he's bad. I was living there at the time, so it was shot one town over. Um, there were plenty, you know, lots of anecdotes of, oh yeah, I saw Ryan Reynolds down at the local bar, or whatever. You and this know. was before uh, Ryan Reynolds was a big name. This was still like romantic comedy Ryan Reynolds, right? And not it was good. Post two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. but pre, <laughs> it, he wasn't big Hollywood name 
Ryan right. Reynolds at the time. Heck, I don't think he'd even done Just Friends or any of his truly good romantic comedies yet. Right. Um, <laughs> and I was one thing I wanted to say real quick. Going to that Amityville house in Wisconsin was like a rite of passage for most like, horror fans. Like Everyone had to go there. And depending on who was living there at the time, determined how nice they were to you. Right, right. Well, and they tore those windows. I, those windows went down pretty quick. Well, because they, they built I them think. for they built them for the movie. Yeah, and they they uh, one family put them back up. I don't. know. Oh, did they? Uh, but they they've such they've since then been taken down okay. to avoid too much attention. Right. Right. Uh, and every time the house goes up for sale, everybody, you know, all my old high school Facebook friends start posting, the the Amityville house is back up for sale again, you know. <laughs> I, I do have to say, one thing that's funny, and it's only funny for those who've actually been to the house, is in the movie, they, they, they you know, they show them driving down the, in the remake, we'll eventually get to the actual, the original movie, <laughs> you, you show them driving down the street, and they're like, oh, look at that house, and like that, they're very clearly going fast. But, like, you, it's a very perfect slow showing of the house. And then they drive into this this driveway that doesn't exist. And they make it seem like it's super far from the road. But, like, I can throw a rock, realistically, from the yeah. road to the yeah. house. It's that close to the road. <laughs> um, another big scene from the movie that... Um that got us excited uh you know the the people i went to high school with yeah. was they drive down a street in antioch illinois which is just over the border um and so they're showing like the main street it's they're having a conversation in the car early on in the film mm-hmm. um and uh you can see like the diner that we went after all of our play practices and the you know just all of those spots that we frequented a, yeah. a lot but uh, so we both saw it because of the remake, which I guess is an interesting conversation about remakes. Because I feel like people always complain that a remake will hurt the original, but I feel like if anything, it's just going to turn people to go towards the original. Right. Right. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll talk more about the remake after we've talked about the main film. Uh, what did you? Because th- um, you were the one excited to watch this film. Yeah. Um, so um, I've. Probably not every year, but, you know, I, I dust off all of the classic horror films uh, this time of year, as many do. Um, and this year in particular, I've been really digging my heels into the, like, late 60s and all through the 70s. The good shit. Horror films. So, yeah, uh, so recently I rewatched The Omen and Rosemary's Baby, Amityville Horror. I've, that's kind of where I've been living lately. Um and what's what's particularly interesting right now, both um, in all three of those films, they move into a new house, and that's kind of an element uh, that that gets the action going. And I am right now trying to buy an old Victorian house. <laughs> you, the, you, and your big Victorian houses. I love them. So, like, you know, while while everybody is is. Most people watch this movie and they're like, oh my god, the house is clearly haunted, get out. I'm going, yeah, but look at those gorgeous built-ins. It's worth it. <laughs> the crown molding is gorgeous. Right? It's, how can, uh, that's, those are original floors and windows. Well, well, so so it's a little possessed. Who cares? That's kind of like George. It's like, you know, I can live with this if you can live with Right? This. Right? Uh, that's no big deal. I, I also love, too, they're like, 80,000, might as well be 800,000. It's like, I'll take 80. I'll take right? 80. 100%. Me and Amanda were 
Amanda looked at me. He's like, when was this movie made? It's like 79. She goes, ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and I was like, you couldn't tell by his hair? Which, <laughs> laugh all you want. His his hair and beard combo was fucking amazing. Oh, that is like Chris Christopherson mm. in A Star is Born Glorious. Yes, is- yes, yes, yes. And uh, Margot Kidder was fantastic in this movie. We're jumping all she over the was. place. But she was. She was so good. charming and adorable, but also, like, strong. And, um, like, she... She had to carry while while George was the one dealing with it, it, like he was the embodiment of the evil mm-hmm. in the house. Like she had to carry the emotional and she all the stakes were on her performance. Yeah, and it's it's great too because like this is her second appearance on the show. Uh, she was also in our uh, like she's actually on the show. Uh, <laughs> she was on she was in our um, our um, Black Christmas episode. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Playing a very, very different role in that because she was more of the party girl, like let's have some fun type of yeah. type of character. Uh, I completely believed her as a mother in this yeah. in this movie. Um, and I, I was thinking about it. It's like the, th- the thing that works so well for me in this film are the performances and the fact that they have two very different. I like it's it's obvious they both two very different types of characters, but like I just love George's slow descent into insanity, like right. especially if all the the them going back to him tending the fire, and right. like how they touch on it a little bit in the remake, but not nearly as poignant as you know George is cold, so like well I'm gonna go build a fire and. It's just him and that fire just kind of become a, a reoccurring And then trend. him chopping the wood yep. for, the for the fire, which becomes another, like, and they do a, I need do to a, tend the house. Exactly. And they do a fantastic job also of just making him look so tired and yeah. so out of it. But the thing I like about it, too, is it's kind of like Steve, Stephen King's The Shining, the book, versus Stanley Kubrick's book where you get the feeling that george does care that he is probably a good father or a good father figure and then he's trying very hard and he's just tired and you never get the feeling that oh he's gonna go and uh, he snaps on his family but you never get the feeling oh he's gonna go insane and murder them all with an axe or anything like that see that was an issue that i kind of had with the remake is like if you take the wood chopping scene towards the end when Ryan Reynolds, George Lutz, was making his stepson hold the log while he would chop it. Mm-hmm. Like, it it slipped into... It, it started making it too much about, like... Well, let me take this a step back. I think, you know, when you think of, well, what was... What's the source of the stare in the Amityville horror? Yeah. You would say the house, right? Yeah. Or, or the possession. Where on this watching in particular, I think the source of the stare is actually really talking about um, blended families. Yeah. And and trusting bringing a new person in to have a close relationship with people that you love. Yeah. Right? Like... You know, you're you're bringing a new parent to your kids into this relationship because they played up that stepdad stepkid dynamic a lot, and I think mm-hmm. that is really what this movie is talking about. And it, while 
very similar, the remake handled it a little differently and they pushed it further in a way that I didn't like. Yeah. Um, that that started to blend. And yeah, you can certainly argue that, uh, well, the house made him do it, fine, whatever. But I th- the house was still making him do it in the original. Mm-hmm. And it was still frightening, and it still played on that, but it didn't push it into, like, abuse. Yeah. Or, you know, like, um, in a way that I didn't care for, the the kind of emotional abuse that Ryan Reynolds' George Lutz was applying to his stepkids. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Like, it's... The, the scares were far more subtle in... in, in the the 1979 version yeah. where there was a like I, I said in my intro a slow creeping dread through the entire yeah. film where things would just kind of build up and i think part of the reason why the film works for me better now is the fact that i am married and i do own a mm-hmm. house and i have had you know some of these thoughts in my head not trying to like go crazy but it's like oh that's a weird sound or hey like you know, what if something bad had happened at this house and things like that? And, like, to see... And, like, what really helps it, too, is to... Sh- to you really believe James Brolin's descent into madness because of Margot Kidder, where yeah. you, you got to see at the beginning. We didn't get to see a whole lot of it, but I think that's part of what helps... Some people complain about the movie's two-hour runtime, you know, where you can cut some time out. I'm sure there's some things you could have cut out, but it just gave us more time with the family and to see that they do legitimately care and they do love each other and that they, you know, they may not see eye to eye on everything. Like, there's that, I, I think, kind of great scene near the beginning of the film where he's, they're going through boxes and he pulls out a cross and says, okay, what do you want to do with this? And, <laughs> you know, she says, put it in the other room where the light's going to capture it and everything. Yeah. And, you know, then we have this really amazing tracking shot from uh, from one room to another. That, Across the staircase. Which, real quick, I want to say the cinematography in this movie does not get enough credit because it's not very over-the-top showy cinematography. It's almost style with having no style, but it's really yeah. great. Um, but, like, you, you, her selling that, hey, this is not the man that I know. This, there's something wrong with this helps within that two hour time period because i didn't believe it as much in the remake where like i didn't i didn't get a feeling like they really liked each other that much well and in the remake they were actually showing more of them before the house Mm -hmm. they were showing kind of their life pre-moving in and they didn't do that in the original but you still believed the relationship more in the original i think yeah or for you know for me yeah I, i completely agree i'm in the same i'm in the same boat um, and like one thing that I thought I loved about the original Amityville was, like I said, I, I keep striving on the fact that it's kind of a slow burn. It takes its time to get to where it's going, which I love. Um, and there's not like any, there's not many, if any, really crazy jump scares or things. It just makes you feel cre- creepy. And then when they do start throwing stuff in, and they're not really explained. Like, the weird fucking pig creature near the end of the film, and, like, I just want, we're jumping all around, and I apologize for that. Hold on, what, I, I'm totally blanking on the weird creepy pig creature. Oh, okay. So, at the end, near the end, uh, George goes... In the original. original. Yes, remember, George goes out to the boathouse, and then he looks yeah. back up into the house, and he sees something, he sees something in the windows. It's, like, this weird-looking pig creature that he then freaks out and grabs the axe and you get the feeling that he's going to go up there and try to kill that whatever it was okay go to google real quick and look up pig creature amity <laughs> i watch 
I watched it twice. And you didn't in the last week, and I missed it. Yeah. And what I love about that though (laughs) is. The, he's going up there with the intention you imagine of killing this pig creature who some people believe is actually Jody, the, cre- the, okay. the creature that the little girl's talking to. He goes up to the axe, Margot Kidder catches him and thinks, oh, he's going to try to kill us. And just the right. way that they orchestrate that scene is fantastic. You really don't remember the pig creature? No. Did you Google it yet? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on it. Maybe I just didn't. If you blinked, you would have missed it because it's very... Yeah, that, that... It's um, none and of these. Yeah, even pulling up the the images. It's like it's like purple in the window with red eyes. Yeah. Wow. Also, there's like legitimately like I might need new glasses. <laughs> well, get on that because you missed the pig creature. Right. I just want to zoom. It won't let me zoom. There we go. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, no, I totally, I think I saw just, like, motion in the window. Yeah. But I I think, you know, you started to hit on the right point there. The reason why you believe his journey is because he's not going after the kids. He is responding to what the house is doing to him. He's never like, all right, now I'm going to start taking out. Yeah. he, He takes his stress out on the kids and the family in the way that, is still loving. He's just extremely stressed and and yeah. depleted. Yeah, you don't feel Whereas like... Whereas Ryan Reynolds' George Lutz like starts to get abusive, and that's a pro- That's the problem. Yeah, though. and like you Go you get the it. feeling that like he's like you said he's just stressed. He's tired. When he snaps mm. on them, it just seems like a oh I'm sorry. I'm just I'm not myself I, right now. I I had a horrible day and yeah. I'm, i don't have the energy that's yeah. something and, that and then like, every parent can and then he's like he show he it, it comes out on other people too like when he snaps on the caterer and and right whereas like the, the re- you're gonna take this check yeah the remake how do you like that the, uh. the remake made me roll my eyes just a little bit when he, every time they leave the house he's like oh i feel so much better now <laughs> isn't it great how much better i feel right now do you notice how right. i feel better like we get it we get it the house is evil <laughs> <laughs> the house is making you feel bad i get it um but look at those built-ins <laughs> yeah but it's like in, in the original you get the feeling that just prolonged exposure to this is what's causing this yeah and i also like that it had a really gentle hand too when we find out the history of the house and uh, uh i actually like in the original i still felt that it was a little heavy-handed with that the exposition of that character oh, well, being like okay i'm look here's i've done the research and here's the it still but was then, but it, it, i felt like but was, then the remake oh like doubles God, down dude. on that exposition and starts to like now we're gonna show like torture chambers and to to the original's credit something that i really appreciated about it there are other than the the pit ghosts that I just now saw <laughs> or just <laughs> learned about you don't really see any ghosts no like nobody dies outside of the that opening sequence yeah like in the original like they make it out even the dog they even go back and save the dog yeah like it's 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 kind of like even like in Jody like in the original movie like so the 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 the, the well I guess liked 
theory of that is that Jody was that creature, not some, not the little girl of the house of the person that was murdered in the house originally. Like the whole story, the, the fail story is there more as a backdrop um, yeah. in the original, where it's like here's what happened in that house, and it, the the it's it's done really effectively in the original film too. Um, and then it's 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 kind of there and it's looming over the house, but it's like not tied in integrally to the story. It's almost it's almost kind of weird pacing. It's almost or weird structure. Whereas okay, we have we have the Lutzes and they're our main story. But you know, to understand the Lutzes, you need to know what happened to the DeFeos originally. And okay, cool, the DeFeo thing happened. Evilness caused him to do it. It's a recycle. It's a recurring thing. Yeah. And then when they bring in the story about Jeremiah Ketchum, and it's like, okay, it's still, now you're adding too much, but I, you're not overdoing it. I can still right, get it. Right. Um, you know, at least it's not a torture chamber in the basement. Instead, you just have a big hole full of goo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and since all the, they, all, the resolution for them was just getting out of the house and not coming back for their stuff. Yep. Like, I don't think there was any need to go into a bunch of exposition of this is why the house is evil. Like, they accomplished their goal without needing Yeah, they, they could have cut that scene. They could have cut yeah. a lot of those scenes. And just and they could have kept could the weird pig monster and everything. and just Yeah, yeah. So you can still sprinkle some of that in, but it didn't need to be this, like, oh, here's the book that has all of the information. Mm-hmm. And, um, I do I do want to yeah. ask you, so, since we did we did review The Exorcist on this show as well, and mm-hmm. The Exorcist was, hold on, what's, what year did The Exorcist come out? 1973, so a good while before this. Six years before. Um, Exorcist obviously was really tied into the religious side. I could not help thinking that all the stuff with all the, the religious figures was directly corresponding to The Exorcist. The, well, the Exorcist, the Omen, um, what are, there was a lot of religious related, like like uh, Catholicism specifically. Like Catholicism was in all almost all of these seventies. Rosemary's Baby, which I just saw, had elements of it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that this era of horror seemed really tied to Catholicism. Yeah, all, like in a, in a in a really inter like, in a really interesting way as well because like. The almost subplot of this film is, is um, I can't think of the reverend's name, uh, Father Delaney. Father yeah. Delaney trying to convince the church that there's something evil in this house. Right. And for them being like, you're stupid, stop dealing with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's 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 not even tied into the family because it's not even like the family goes to him and be like, hey, we want you to do. They didn't even know he showed up. Right, like they, right. And they don't go try to find a a priest until later on. So it's Father Delaney trying to convince them of this, and like other people would have been like, "Oh, we can just catch, we can just cut this whole subplot out." Well, the the remake only they did cut it out. Like cut cut a lot of it. There was one scene, and where this scene happens in the almost the opening in the original, it's moved to like middle of the movie and it works in so much better remake. in the beginning yeah um he just comes does it has the weird effect and runs off it was like it, it removed all of that anchor and then became unnecessary also i will say that uh this film is probably has the most 
uh, vomiting clergy that I've ever seen. <laughs> I do need I do need to mention real quick that I was looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes at one point for quotes from this movie. And if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and look up quotes from the Amityville Horror, they have um, they have a quote from the the nun. I can't remember her what her name. I think it was like Aunt Helena or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, her quote is just blah, 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 in, in, in parentheses vomiting. <laughs> the subtitles <laughs> describe it as retching. <laughs> Oh, I I thought that was great. Uh, One thing I will say, despite the runtime on this film, and it gives you a lot of time to really breathe and get to know the characters, Mm -hmm. there's also some stuff that's just not very well explained. Uh, Or not very, it's not very clear. Like, I'm, I'm usually in the thought process that you don't need a lot of exposition. But she still needs like they, this movie puts exposition in the it, on the wrong stressors. They put expositions on it was Jeremiah the Ketchum. Ketchum in the remake. Yeah. I think it was like John Ketchum in the the original whatever. Okay. They put a lot of exposition on that, and granted, they do it in a I think in a way that appeals more to my sensibilities, where it's just them sitting there talking, looking at the book, as opposed to like here's creepy flashbacks of all right. this stuff. I'd much prefer to someone talking about it, but like. Um, me and Amanda had to go back and forth and be like, wait, are they married? Are those kids his? Because we weren't too sure. Because like, they had a couple throwaway lines, and something like that shouldn't be throwaway, where he was like, well, I just want them to like, you know, or like, well, at least they're not calling yeah. me George anymore. That was the big one. that. But it's like, it's still, it's like, we really don't know for sure. And then even when the priest comes... I was like, me and Amanda was like, did he just invite himself in? Is he breaking in? Does he know this house? Does he know this house is possessed and is just trying to do it? And then we find out halfway through the film, oh, well, we invited him. Why the fuck didn't you say that earlier in the movie? (laughs) Sorry, I went on a diatribe there, but like they're putting the exposition in the wrong scenes. Yeah, I I wonder if some of the uh, whether or not they're married thing um, is a result of the like taboo of remarrying back then because a lot of that um exposition Mm -hmm. though i think it was done well um it was during them touring the home with the real estate agent yeah but there i noticed that it didn't land in the way that i think it did back then because they say um yes uh i have three kids and then they go to another room or something and they say, he has yeah, some we're, line. yeah well, we're newly married. And so I think they're playing on the, he, like, the social He does taboo. make a joke or something there, because I remember him smiling and Margot Kidder's, like, right. smacking him, like, you're bad or something like that. I, like, I, think, I think it was playing on the taboo of getting divorced and remarried of the yeah. time that just doesn't land today as much. And yeah. I think that might be part of why... It didn't make sense or was easy yeah. to and miss it's, misconstrue. It's, it's there. I'm not going to say it's not there yeah. because it, it definitely is. I just feel like it wasn't as clear. Same thing with like you didn't know that they knew Father Delaney. Um, and only reason I was able to put it together that they did was the fact that later on when Aunt Helen or came and she's also yeah. she's a she's a nun. It's like okay. You know a nun. I can believe that you'd know a priest as well. And then you get. I think she works at. A Catholic school, just based on the outfit she was like, I, I put it together. It was, that I figured out yeah. that she knew them. 
Right. Well, I think uh, the nun was her Mar- uh, Margot Kidder, um, uh, Melissa's sister, like actual sister. Okay. Because they talked about when she, oh, she always pinches our cheeks mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. it had a, I, I think it was the kid's actual aunt. Okay. Um, even if it was through um, marriage, possibly. Yeah. Um, but um, she also had the little brother who was getting married with the whole money disappearing sequence. Mm-hmm. Which was um, gone out of the remake as well. Yeah. Um, and that one kind of, like, they have a, a quick little line about, oh, my brother's wedding. Um, but it did jump around a bit narratively, but I, in a way that didn't bother me at all. Yeah. Like you just, like I said, the thing I liked so much was that you could tell that George was dealing internally with something mm-hmm. and it was affecting him, but like it's, it said, it didn't, I, the film, I didn't feel like it was going to go this route and it didn't. I never felt like, oh, this is going to become a George trying to murder his family film, which like, I'm really... Which the remake 100% turns into that. Yeah. And, like, I feel like it's one of those things that maybe over time, if they would have stayed at that house, George would have gotten to that point. Sure, because that's yeah. where Ronnie eventually got. But it's, like, it, you know, like, when, especially in the end of the remake, when you see Ryan Reynolds chasing after them with an axe and everything, it's like, oh, this is... They couldn't tell if they wanted to remake The Shining or if they wanted to remake Amityville right, Horror. Right. And I just couldn't... Also, I have to say, I, I just couldn't take... Like, Ryan Reynolds is a good actor, and there's a lot of movies I like him. I could not take him seriously in that role at all. Uh, is it because of his gorgeous abs? Yeah, that yeah. He, he's got <laughs> he's got enough time to constantly have his abs looking on point. But then, like, anytime he'd look at the, in the camera, I just thought he was going to say something stupid every yeah. time. Um, I, don't think, I don't think I bought him as an abusive stepdad either. No. Like, and had, had the film not gone quite that direction with it maybe then it would have been easier to take him in that yeah. role it was just strange yeah it was, um, it was just definitely the choices made in that film um are are just weird like a friend two things two two uh things that i will say for the remake that i really liked um i did really like the cinematography I was okay on it. Um, I think my biggest issues come from it are that it was it was just the the early two thousands look of all the horror films and its its extreme way of coloring. It wasn't bad, but I definitely prefer. I thought they were a little ballsier in the original one, but that's just me. Yeah, I I liked. I also loved the cinematography in the original, especially the feel of that like. You know, it's obviously supposed to be New York. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the original was filmed, but I think it's like it Long Island this, or something. The the same look that the Midwest has mm-hmm. in the fall, which makes you know the filming location of the remake made perfect sense. But it's very nostalgic for me. Um, but the other thing is, I did also really like um, Melissa George's performance as Kathy Lutz. Okay. Um, this may not be the um, the greatest review for the original for for the Amityville Horror remake, but um, the other day, I I, I gotta tell this story. Um, me and Amanda were going to see Peter Pan for my birthday. Yeah, and we took a couple days off, and I was lamenting, and it's like, oh, I was hoping we got the chance to watch a couple more movies, and she's like, what are you talking about? We watched one every day, <laughs> and I was like, fair. 
He's like, but the one yesterday didn't count. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I watched a movie after you went to bed. We didn't watch it together. She's like, no, we watched two movies that day. He's like, what's the other movie we watched? She's like, we watched the remake to the Envy of a Horror. He's like, we did? Like, we had literally just watched it the day prior, and I forgot about watching it. Like, that's, I guess, my, my review of the Amityville Horror of 2005. My favorite review of it, though, actually comes from Brennan Klein, who was on, my, who was on an episode in season one on, on, on slasher films. His review on Letterboxd is the best. He gave it a star and a half. <laughs> he said, A shirtless, wet Ryan Reynolds can make up for a lot of a movie's sins, but not if they're not if there's but not if they are this ample and idiotic. Whopping off forty minutes could have only improved the original film, but they make all the wrong decisions in condensing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I... I agree. There's the the bit about like him accidentally killing the dog, mm-hmm. which I thought was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, adding Jody in much more frequently like was unnecessary. Oh. Okay, I'm glad um, you brought this up because um, 100% agree. Because like the the original film or not the original film, the the new film is just so painfully on the nose because the original film is able to make. A, a chair that rocks once or twice the scariest thing in the movie because you just see this little girl sitting there talking to a chair and I love it too because at the beginning of the film you don't know it's like it could just be legitimately a, a imaginary friend you don't right. know you don't know there's anything sinister about it or we've been preconditioned to believe that any child talking to themselves is in fact evil but you don't know um, and just once I want someone to make a movie where it leg- legitimately is an imaginary friend that has nothing to do with the story because I think right. it would be a great bait and switch but you know, she's talking to, you know, and the mom's, like, playing along with it. It's like, oh, hi, Jody, and everything, and she leaves the room, and then the chair rocks once or twice. And it's like, oh, shit, she's not right. kidding. But that doesn't happen or until... Ha- was it just the wind? Yeah, and it doesn't happen and... until halfway through the film, so we've had some time to get to know Jody. She talks to him, but it's like the first time you see Jody in the remake, it's like, here's, this cre- here's a creepy little girl that's been overdone of CGI and makeup, and, of course, they have the terrible stinger near the end where she's dragged down to... It's like... It's, yeah. It feels like producer notes. It's like, oh, this movie's not scary enough. Add some, right. add some, add yeah. some oomph to the movie. The original was about the house and about the family. Yeah. The remake was about the ghosts and Ketchum and how they made George go crazy. Yeah. And but but not in the like that that they made him do it versus like questioning that slow mm-hmm. descent in the original and and. Yeah, yeah, like, um, and I and I agree with Brennan's review. Like, I feel like if you you could have cut like maybe maybe not forty, but I feel like you can cut like maybe thirty minutes out of the original film, like uh, some of the stuff Father Delaney arguing that they need to exercise the house and all the stuff that never really pays off again. You could cut some I'm of that. Okay out. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it too, but I can see how making it maybe a little snappier yeah. would have helped. I'm honestly really okay with it. I thought I I really. I, it's, I think this movie is going to keep growing as being something that I think is fantastic. And one of the reasons... I, oops, sorry, continue. Uh, I tend to like long, longer edits. Yeah. And I think people's like, cut more time out, cut more time out, cut more time out. Like, I I don't... I tend to disagree with that impulse. Now, there are certainly films that go on too long. But I think, like, taking time to explore is, like, not this universal problem that needs to constantly be remedied and this certainly did not 
like it kept my attention the whole time so why would you cut anything out of it i don't think it would have been better for that yeah no i completely agree and like one of the things that works so well for me is you know like i said it is it's it's tense it's weird it's it's also at times kind of blunt which i like and what what i love about it too is uh, Lalo Schifrin's score for the film is is counteractive to what we're seeing on screen right he's not going for a very overly dreary scary score he's going for something kind of nice and whimsical and and interesting um, um he, idyllic yes it, Yes. Like here's the happy, beautiful family, and the like. Yeah, that really works. Yeah, and like one thing I also like about the original film too is you get the feeling that these are real people, because they're not yep. just talking about. It's like oh, because like sometimes movies will have a bad habit, and I get it because you know a lot of people uh, are trained in terms of screenwriting to be like you know. This is an issue I personally have. I can see both sides of it. I feel like some people are very too much like, you know, if it doesn't service the plot, don't have it in the film. If it doesn't service the plot, don't have it in the film. And I can see that because it helps you kind of get to the root of what you're doing in the film. And I feel like a screenwriter should always be thinking about that instead of going off on all their flights of fancy. But, like, one thing I liked about this film so much was I felt like the characters were real people because they would talk about stuff besides just the weirdness that's happening in the film. You know, they'd have long conversations just about financial issues and like we can't really afford this house you're not you're not getting as many jobs your business partners freaking out that you know you haven't been doing it It was like you get the feeling that they're real people yeah well and i think that that the the solution to what you were saying there is just having a broader definition of what services the plot i think what you just described does service the plot and it does build in important foundations that you need in order to yeah. pay off on those themes it's just that they're a little more abstractly serviced think plot. about it this way if you take the original amityville horror and remove the the opening scene of ryan defeo killing everyone you remove the the john ketchum near the end and you remove all of the 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 creepiness it's essentially a film about uh, these people who bought a house. They're trying to be idyllic, and they bought this house, and they realize they couldn't afford this house, and they're, this is more than they're looking for in their life. And every morning, uh, he's he's taunted. He 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 wake. He can't sleep because he's freaking out about the financial aspects of it. And then, if you think about that money disappearing, you'd think, oh, maybe he took it because he actually needs the money. But then he ended up having to pay the caterer anyway. It's like you. This is a story about a man who bought a house because he 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 wants to start a family but he's not ready for it the film still works you know what's funny is uh the movie the other movie that i was thinking of as i was watching it is i believe it's chevy chase and goldie hawn but i could be wrong about that the comedy uh the money pit money pit no that's actually uh tom hanks you're right. It's You're Tom right. Hanks. That is Tom Hanks. Uh, and uh, um, why can't I can't think of the other person in that I, movie? I I completely. Why? But now I, I want to see a movie of with Goldie Hawn and Chevy. Chevy Chase. Chase. I think you're thinking of Funny they, Farm. Yeah, yeah. But I I was thinking of the movie The Money Pit. Uh, that is uh, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. Okay. 
Okay. Best scene in that movie, just real quick, tang- tang- tangential, is when he, he has to pay, I think, the roofer, and he's walking to the house counting the money, and he stands over the rug and starts slowly going through the hole in the in the, in there, and he's, like, stuck with, and he's, like, trying to get his way out. It can't. It just goes back to counting the money while he's in the hole. The best scene in that movie. <laughs> now I have to, let's see, yeah, Funny Farm is what I was thinking yes. of. That's funny. It's um, Funny Farm. Funny farm, but uh, the one other thing that I'll say about the remake, and it is it is a tiny thing that in no way redeems the problems, but I really enjoyed the little nod to the original in the bedroom mirror, mm-hmm. the mirror that was over their bed, was that same like golden. Yes, I, I comments to Amanda about that that I, I, I kind of took up the whole that. room in the original. Yes, <laughs> it's so gross but amazing at the same time. Um, <laughs> So I think we're both on a, on a similar um, thought process here that yeah. um, we just, you know, didn't love the remake very much. Yeah. It was okay. I, I didn't hate it. Like, it was... I kind of did. It was all right. Um, <laughs> I don't hate very much, but, like, I, I, I told after this viewing, it's like, I'm never going to watch this movie again. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, a victim of a, of what was happening to a lot of horror movies in this era. Oh, definitely. Like, I, I, I feel like I, I'm a firm believer that anyone goes into making a remake, it goes in with good intentions. But yeah. um, if you just look at the, the company that put it out at the time, which was um, the Platinum Dunes label, they were notorious for their um, kind of just go- making all the horror films the same. Yeah. Were all the horror remakes the same, if that makes sense. I, I think they were like, hey, let's take that good story and make it scarier. Yeah. And in doing so, they made it less scary. Yeah. Like, you know, they, like, it's it's funny. They have a weird habit of making, so, like, they did the Texas Chainsaw Mask in 2003, the remake to that. Okay. And it's got the same exact to the dot runtime as the original film, and it feels longer to me. Okay. Amityville Horror is a shorter movie by 30 or 40 minutes, and it felt longer to me. <laughs> so they have this this habit of, like, just, like, there's less going on or just as much going on, but it feels longer. Yeah, the, the pacing's all off on so. it. Um, the last note that I have, and it's, a, it's, it's so hard. You know, we watched both movies, and I don't want to spend the entire episode comparing the two, but that's what kind of we ended up setting up for ourselves. Um, I found that the opening or the the exposition of the uh, what had happened a year prior, yeah, with the DeFeo kid, I found it so effective in the original, where during the house tour you, you got just these little flashes of every time they went into a room, you saw the gunshot blast that happened in that room. Yes, yes. That I forgot about it that. Kinda, it gave the house like memory. Yeah, it felt like the house had those events anchored into it that it had seeped into its walls and that the house never forgot it. In the remake, they just did it as this big flashback sequence separated from them and it just was not nearly as effective yeah you saw more and got less out of it yeah and like i like i said i and i loved that and i loved it's just a simple scene but the scene up in the attic when george and kathy are talking about whether or not they should buy the house it's just 
like I wanted to, like it's like I, I just wanted to see the, this this young crazy couple succeed. <laughs> and I guess I also like part of that comes from the fact that I'm I was in their position. You know, I didn't buy yeah. a, a house that had someone been murdered in, but like walking around a house being like, "This is great. We don't we can't afford this." Why are we doing this? We should have just stayed with our mother, with my mother longer. We should have just stayed at our apartment. Why are we doing this? This is dumb. Yeah. Or the this is affordable and it's everything we wanted. Why? Yeah. <laughs> One thing. Uh, uh, What's the catch? I do have to say, like it's it's. I I love we're going we're talking about the subtlety of the original and even when it's not. The most subtle, because I'm not gonna lie. There's some things that's still a little heavy-handed on, but yeah, it's, yeah, whatever, absolutely. whatever. It's not nearly <laughs> as heavy-handed as the remake, um, where you know I I love that. I remember halfway. I was telling Amanda, it's like, oh, I believe George. If I'm remembering correctly, George is a handyman, and they don't really ever talk about it very much. But uh, it comes it comes on later on that you find out. I love like one of the first things out of Ryan Reynolds' mouth is like. He's like, oh, I work construction. I know how much this house would cost. Are you sure you're correct? It's like, <sighs> uh, so do you work in construction, George? <laughs> Did you not see me pull up my George Lutz construction? Yeah, in parentheses, yes, I'm a construction worker truck. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yet, yet, one thing I will say, neither film. I don't think we, like, well, actually, no. I, I stand corrected. The remake you did see George doing some house, doing some work around the house. You saw yeah. him building walls yeah. and such. So, because in, in the original, you don't, I don't think you ever see other than him picking up the axe to cut ch- chop wood. I don't think you see him even do anything around the house. Uh, he he grabs the pickaxe from his business partner's wife in the basement when he's knocking down that wall in the basement. That doesn't count. That's yeah. that's that's not anything to do destruction. With yeah, it's not construction. It's destruction. It's also how did the inside of those bricks get painted red like that? I was wondering that myself. And what is the red? What is the black goo that was coming out of their yeah. toilets? Is like right? my first thought because it came out of their toilets and everything. And I was like, when he fell into, it, I was like, that's poo water. <laughs> it doesn't smell like tartar to me, senor. <laughs> um, Speaking of which, uh, I saw it too. Oh yeah, theater. real quick before you go. Speaking of horror film remakes, before you go to that, because I do want to talk about that yeah. as well. Um, so we had just watched Poltergeist, and I realized Poltergeist and Amityville Horror have a very similar plotline. But yeah. uh, I remember at the end of Amityville, um, when you know after George goes back and gets the dog and he runs out and everything, I kept thinking, when does the house like start to float and turn into like a little crushed ball? And I realized, no, that was Poltergeist. <laughs> oh, oops, oops. <laughs> I, the first time, so like I said, I watched it like twice this week. The first time I watched it on my own. Um, and uh, about halfway through, I texted Raina and I'm like, baby, um, should should we ask our realtor if this was built on like an Indian burial ground or something? It's, it's important to ask. Yeah, and yeah. I think they have to legally disclose that. And if and if Poltergeist has taught me anything, if you find out the house was built on just a regular cemetery, make sure they move the bodies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's they didn't just, just move the, the tombstones. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson in the, in Poltergeist screaming at his boss, like you move the body. He's like you move the headstones, but not the bodies. And he goes, "Why? What?" But it sounds like he's just going, and just screaming sounds at him. I just it's the best why because it was a lot cheaper yeah it's all about the money man come on <laughs> you knew what we were all about craig t nelson 
Don't act like you weren't complicit. Yeah, you knew about it. Willful ignorance. You, we were digging the hole for your house, and we found a finger, and we were like, oh, that's just what happens sometimes. Yeah. You, you were there. <laughs> okay, so you want to talk a little bit about it, Chapter 2 before we wrap up? Yeah, yeah. So have you seen yes, it? Yes, I saw it opening okay. night. Nice. Yeah. Um, I had the kids opening night, so I saw it like a week later. Um, I'll take him. I'll put some hair on the chest. <laughs> right. Lane's all excited about it. She talks about Pennywise all the time. Creepy. Um, Creepy. Yeah, yeah. That's not good. So She'd be the first um, one going down that storm cellar. Overall, I think uh, an over-reliance on jump stairs for both films of the I remake. agree. I agree with that. Um I don't think it needs the jump scares. I don't think and so. It, and like my thing is like the jump scares don't bother me as much as the CGI enhanced jump scares because okay. in my personal opinion some of the scares that worked the best in that film were the ones that they just allowed creepy things to happen. But yeah. that didn't bother me as much just because I've come used to it yes would i prefer a a more subtle amityville style telling of of it 100 yeah. would they've been able to make it um and do the book nearly as much justice doing it small no right no right. um my my two thoughts um were the cast was incredible yep. particularly bill Hader. yeah i loved him in this movie um and uh i i'll go on record saying that i loved the 90s film however i never found it all that scary no not at all because of tim curry who had an amazing performance but it was like over the top silly tim curry Mm -hmm. as a scary clown i was much more afraid of I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> uh, I think it's like something Skarsgård. Start, yeah. Uh, I was much more afraid of his Pennywise mm-hmm. than I was Tim Curry's. I love Tim Curry's Pennywise. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like one more than the other. But I was more afraid of Bill Skarsgård's yeah. Pennywise. I thought there was a lot of nods to the books. I just I had read the book um very recently and there's a lot of nice nods to the book as well like it's as faithful as an adaptation as you can without it being completely absurd like i i, I we people online other stephen king fans were jokingly referred to as going full turtle um i don't because they, they you know they didn't have mandarin the the cosmic turtle that controls the right world. That... there's no way to really do that uh, <laughs> right. and uh, you know they, they didn't they they didn't have some of that stuff which i'm fine with because you know that stuff's not going to translate the the right. original um um ritual of Ch- uh, ritual of chud wouldn't have worked either because you're telling jokes to pennywise and like it's 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 just it's too it's so much of it happens between a mind meld between them and the creature that it wouldn't have worked but right. um people are complaining about the length of the film to me it didn't feel long i don't know maybe no, like me either like d- and you're, amityville you're shorter like... amityville felt longer than than it chapter two because yeah. it chapter two is constantly moving you had five different five or six seven different stories to tell yeah and then the story that you're telling of all of them together like there's it runtime conversations tend to frustrate me because you know also in my job uh, in all of my media related jobs when people are like i think it should be two minutes i'm like well why do you think that 
Yeah. I think there should be a time. Why do you think that? Yeah. It the the length should be however long it takes to properly tell your story. And you don't know that until you're putting the story together. Yeah. Well, and there was that yeah. it is a very big story. It needs to be longer in order to properly tell it. Otherwise, it's rushed. Yeah, and I don't, like if I had any complaint, it was that some of the flashbacks that we're seeing in this film could have just very easily just been in the first part. But <coughs> um, I don't know. The runtime didn't bother me. It just felt like it was moving. Yeah. Because like I see, I see the runtime complaint all the time online. And I jokingly said on on someone's Facebook thing that it's like, oh. Bitch about the runtime of hit and then I'll, I'll put an asterisk goes and watches avengers endgame for the seventh time because like people totally. had no problem following that movie and watching that yeah. movie and the person's like well avengers endgame constantly moved and i was like well that's just a matter of opinion because i was so bored through a good chunk of that film yeah it's like, and it was constantly moving yeah like it could have been shorter sure it didn't bother me that it was longer and then they've i think it would have suffered from being shorter and the movie's very divisive there's a lot of people online who don't like it who think it's too long or it's not effective that the 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 you know it's i, I get it i get it i think what it really comes down because i have some friends too who just don't really like the film and what it comes down to some of the issues that they, they have are more so in term in line with stephen king's original story than it's an adaptation yes. argument. Like I, I yeah. was listening to a podcast that was breaking down the screenplay of the original It movie, and they all because there's a podcast out there called uh, Writers Writers Block Writers Blockbusters, where <laughs> I think is a clever title. They 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 are three there are two screenwriters and a filmmaker that sit down and they don't discuss the film like we do. They sit down and talk about it from a, sc- a screenwriting standpoint of a beat okay. to beat, you know, uh, you know, they, 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 it's a little more in depth than what we do. And they're all that they had to say, it's like their biggest issues with the script come from the original book. It's like, Hey, if we, instead of having five characters, if we condense it down to three or four, it could, you know, combined a couple characters together, but you can't do that when it's an adaptation or you yeah. can, but you're going to be alienating an audience. Right. So no, I genuinely liked it. And I know, uh, uh, Andrew Muschietti, or whatever, however you pronounce the director's name, has been teasing a five-hour cut with all the films, with both of them put together. Oh, really? And I'd be all for that. But honestly, I, I think what it comes down to, I personally think the best way to adapt a Stephen King book is do it as a miniseries. Miniseries. Unless yeah. you're adapting a short, or one, one, of, his, one of his shorts, <laughs> that can, you can put that into a film. Like I think the best ones are. I think a lot of people are catching on to that right now and are doing miniseries. Like even the dark, even the Dark Tower is going to be getting a Netflix re or no, an Amazon Prime remake. Have you seen Castle Rock? Not yet. I've been, I've been meaning to. I think I think I talked about it in one other episode. Um, I I actually just rewatched the first season and they've announced the second season coming up. I think in a couple months. Um, it's really interesting. Also stars Bill Starsgard. Um, and I think it's a really interesting, like mashup of his stories. It's really cool. Me and Amanda plan to start it soon. We just watched the boys on Amazon and finished that okay. up. I've been wanting to watch Castle Rock and now with season two coming, like, I think we talked about this. My biggest thing with binging is I don't like to binge watch things because then it's over too quickly. 
I yeah. miss having to wait once a week because someone was pointing out a line. It's like, had we just had we had we gotten an episode of Stranger Things every week, we'd just be finishing up, and it would have been this thing that we all could have been discussing and having fun with. And instead, most people forgot it even happened. Right, because we 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 went through it in a week, and now it's done. So. That's the way nice. I do things. I like to yeah. I like to spread it out. Even like when I did watch the first season of Stranger Things, I watched one episode a day, and like that was my treat. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, but I think that, I think that's it for us. I think so. You got uh, are the coppers gonna get you? Uh, I think I think they're 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 coming to get us because we're going long. Uh, oh, that's okay. funny. I was gonna talk about a a disc that I got to review, but I feel like I can just do that as a bonus episode. Okay. Cool. You heard you right, heard yeah. those cops at the mic. Yeah. Wow, yep. that's impressive. <laughs> Good microphone. <laughs> uh, so real quick, we should discuss before we go. Um, what are we doing next? Are we gonna do our taxi driver episode, or are we gonna do the Omen? Um, I'm down for either. Um, though I have already seen the Omen, so I've not. I I've also like not seen Taxi doing... Driver, so. Well, I'm. Uh, I saw it like. Two days ago, so it's fresh. So if you want, we could do that one next. So and I, I'd lean for doing that one next right. if you're down for it. Yeah, I think I'm down with that. All right, cool. Well, cool. Then we're gonna do the Omen next, <laughs> and it's gonna be a good time. And and as always, we reserve the right to change our minds. Oh, of course, you know, because we were supposed to do Taxi Driver like two episodes ago. So yeah, screw it. Uh, one other thing uh, that I'm gonna shamelessly self promote. Um, you mean so shamelessly self-promote? <laughs> oh! <laughs> um, as many of you already know, I operate a public access TV station in Maryland, um, and we're connected, we're a part of a bigger arts foundation that also operates two music venues out of the theater. Um, so one of the things that I have been working on developing is a more curated YouTube page where we film some of the acts that come through cool. and post that there. So if you're ever looking to uh, discover new artists, particularly, I mean, we, we do a lot of everything, but we do a lot of like Americana, folk, uh, blues um, kind of stuff. Uh, we have some bigger named acts. We have some uh, smaller, you know, uh, things for you to discover. Um, but if you're interested, if you listen to music and you're looking for something fresh, go to youtube.com slash Avalon Theater Maryland. Um, and uh, we have some cool playlists set up so you can just like, you know, listen to our folk stuff or listen to our blues stuff or watch an entire concert in a playlist because they're all broken up in individual songs. Um, a couple that I've really been jamming out on lately is an older... Uh, show that we filmed uh the bad bad hats that's a great name um uh i believe they're a minnesota band cool actually uh, and then two recent ones is pierce edens and i just posted smooth hound smith um all all great groups uh so if you're down check out youtube.com slash avalon theater maryland that's fantastic all right so yeah self-promotion over yeah I don't really have anything to self-promote other than the show, but you're, you know, theoretically you're already listening to that. So. Yeah. <laughs> but make sure 
that you follow us and subscribe and comment and like on Stitcher Radio, iTunes. You got this. Google Play, yeah. uh, Libsyn, and SoundCloud. Yeah, you got it. Wait, did you get Spotify? Did I get them all? I think you might have missed. And Spotify. Ah, no, I you won't. No, and you that's the all. one that I listen to it on. <laughs> and Spotify. Um, I'm getting there. You're getting there. You know. <laughs> We're so many places. We, we You've are. You've done and such I've, a great job of the, getting us like, out Spotify, there. I personally think, has been a big one. So while it was a yeah. headache having to change places, <laughs> I think it's ultimately been... It's kind of cool going to Spotify and seeing us. Yeah, like it's the biggest yeah. music streaming service out there, <laughs> and it's us. Yeah, we're there. We are there. We are where the big boys right. play. Uh, so I'm gonna probably end this episode with a sound clip of Craig T. Nelson screaming, and I think we're out. Nice. All right. Well, if you don't like that, oh, I haven't done this in a couple. I've got weeks. two words for yeah, you. If, if you're not down with that, I got two words for you. Watch movies. Watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for reminding me about that. It's been a while since I've yeah. done that.